Hey guys, welcome back to the Nutrition Expedition. Before today's episode, we just wanted to say, we're not qualified specialists. If you have any issues, see a healthcare professional. The daily posts, including recipes, exercises, nutrition facts, and calorie comparisons, follow us on Instagram at The Nutrition Expedition. Peace. Hey guys, before we get into the episode, I just want to let you know that the audio for this episode has glitched a few times throughout and we tried to fix it, but there was a few technical difficulties on our end for this episode and we'll try to make it better for next time. But make sure to give it a listen because it's such a great episode with Ellie and she gave such good information about women's health and it was so, so informative. So highly recommend you guys push through it and give it a listen. All right, welcome back everybody. Uh, today we have women's wellness nutritionist Elle Brown on the podcast, so we'd like to uh, welcome her today. Hey guys, thanks for having me. No worries. So to start off, I just want to ask you how you actually got into health and nutrition. Yeah, yeah, no problems. So yeah, I've had my own personal journey with my own health stuff, so I know exactly what it feels like to sit in the client chair and to be in that position so when i was in high school i had stuff going on with my own liver i had chronic migraine headaches a whole host of stuff i would catch a lot of different things i had quite poor immunity and i went to an array of different health practitioners during that time and the one that i had the most success with was actually a nutritionist biochemist and that just spurred me on to learn so much about the body and obviously having my own experience and seeing how powerful it was firsthand. I was like, this is an area I'm just so passionate about and really want to get into and help other people. Um, so that's how my journey started. I originally wanted to be a journalist. So if people follow me on social media, they'll see that I love to write, but I'm really glad it ends up in my industry because it's so for me. So yeah, that's my journey and my story. I love how everyone has their different stories and like you're going to be a journalist. So that's so cool. But yeah. based off what you said, what are some of the health problems if you don't mind going into them uh, that you actually had when you're younger? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those like really funny, well, not, not funny because I went through it, but one of those stories that people like, Whoa, did that even actually happen? So I was born completely healthy and I actually had a really bad stack or a fall when I was, um, in late primary school, early high school. And I'm quite a thin person and I fell quite hard onto my right side. And without realizing, I actually did some internal damage to my liver. So it's actually fully repaired now, but at the time it created quite a bit of scar tissue and then that actually impacted the function. Um, And over time when your liver gets a bit stagnated and there's a lot of stuff going on in there and it's not filtering in the way that it should, you can get a whole host of issues. So my symptoms presented as migraine headaches, I got rashes, I was really, really hot all the time, my immune system then got affected, and then obviously my gut health. So as we know, the body all works together as a whole. So I had a lot of stuff going on. And that was a really interesting process of getting well as well, because I learned just how impacted like all of your body systems can get when one thing is kind of out of balance. So I love the liver. I talk about it a lot. I think a women often when they think they're in the that I drink and yeah it does do that but it actually does so much more than that too so I love discussing it and talking about it because yeah it caused a whole host of issues for me that for a long time I didn't connect back to that organ so it took quite a long time to finally find a practitioner that pieced it all together and looked at the body as a whole and went 
Yes, you can experience really bad migraines and headaches from poor liver function. Yes, you can get rashes. Yes, your gut health can be affected. So that made me want to get into that whole holistic health space where you look at the body as a whole. And I think nutrition and health does that beautifully. Yeah. And, and obviously you, yeah. you have quite a prominent Instagram uh, following and it's, it's very much based around women's health. Uh, and that's mm. what to get you on today is to actually go into the women's health sort of side of it. Uh, since Lockie and I are always uh, talking about how we need to go and get something <laughs> about it because we, we, we obviously can't talk about it. But um, just a little, <laughs> a little startup question, if you will. Um, what part of, of health do you see that women neglect mm-hmm. most um, in their daily life? Yeah, look, great question. I think the one area that I would like to see women focusing more on is listening a bit to their symptoms. I feel like we're so quick and men and women as well, like both, but we're so quick to, you know, feel a symptom and go, I'm going to mute that. I'm going to ignore that. You know, that's normal. We just accept it as normal. I see so many women that when we talk through their symptoms, I say, how long have you been experiencing this? And they'll say, you know, three years, seven years. Oh, I don't remember a time when I didn't experience that. They're so quick to accept that daily symptoms are so normal. Monthly symptoms are so normal. Oh, it's so normal that I wake up in the morning and I'm absolutely exhausted and I've got daily headaches and PMS symptoms every month. And I would really love to see women not accepting symptoms as normal and believing that they're worthy of feeling absolutely amazing. Most days, if not every day, we deserve that. And just finding the space to nourish and nurture themselves. I think women really struggle to put themselves first, particularly mums. They think everybody comes above them in the pecking order and they're right at the bottom. And so there's this real space in my area of work where women are just struggling with symptoms, but kind of going, oh, it's not important because the kids need to be okay and my husband needs to be okay and work comes first. So I would really like to see women, you know, leaning into their symptoms a little bit more, listening to them, not just accepting them and then going and seeking the help and the support that they deserve because it is out there. Yeah, cool. And I wanted to go on to the menstrual cycle now and I just want to ask about both nutrition and exercise during it and Mm. how they should maybe change or adapt throughout the various stages. That's a really good question. I think this is such an area of focus and interest at the moment. I know there's a lot of new up and coming preliminary research in this area and I'm so happy that men and women are advocating for this because we as a woman myself I can definitely comment on this but I see it in my clients too where there's such a shift in energy and the way we feel between the two phases of our cycle so you have two distinct phases either side of your cycle and then ovulation in the middle and when we're around that ovulatory period we often feel quite energized we feel stronger, we might be able to have more endurance in our exercise. But when we come up closer to our bleed, obviously we want to retract a little bit more, energy is not as high and we're probably not feeling as inclined to really push and exercise really, really hard. I don't delve into exercise that much in my work. I'm not a pro in that. But you guys are actually really in luck talking to me today because my consult room is within a gym in Brookvale and our owner is actually doing his literature review on exercise, nutrition intake and protein and how women should adapt with their cycles. So we're Avexia Wellbeing on social media if you guys want to check that out because he's got some really awesome stuff coming up. But sadly, we were both even just discussing this morning how there's not enough actual research done on women for us to distinctly comment on these things which is so so sad i don't know if you guys saw on 
my page the other day, I shared that only 4% of funding actually goes towards studying females in studies. So a lot of the time, males are just studied and people go, oh, the females will be exactly the same. And that's not the case. So I'm so glad that there's some research that's starting to come up in this area. As far as nutrition around the cycle, which is something that I do like, I find in my clients that cravings are at an all-time high. Mm. Um, so women often comment and craving things like salty foods, which could equate to all the minerals that we lose through our bleed, specifically things like chocolate. If you guys have girlfriends or sisters, you'll definitely be able to chocolate. And the reason for that is we often lose quite a bit of magnesium through our bleed too, which is a bit of an essential one for women's health. So cacao, which is the antioxidant part of chocolate, is really, really rich in magnesium. So there is a reason that we crave chocolate. It's not just because we're being, you know, little piggies and wanting it. We actually, there is a nutritional reason for that too. Um, and then obviously our intake increases. So as we're leading up to our bleed, we might find that we're a lot hungrier and women feel like a larger volume of food. And that's because we are about to lose quite a lot of nutrients. So I often tell women to kind of lean into how you feel and go with how you feel. There's not enough research to determine exact things that we need to do as far as nutrition and exercise. I wish I could say that there was adequate and amazing loads of research out there on this topic. It's just kind of emerging. But as I said, the owner of our gym is doing a literature review on it. So I would definitely check out his work because that's really interesting as far as protein requirements. And he's seen a really big shift in the two phases and what we actually need. But I say to women, really tune into how you feel on your cycle. You will know the periods if you're in tune with your own body, where you feel more energized, where you feel stronger. And if your cravings are increasing or your need for an, a higher volume of food is increasing, really lean into that and follow that because women will notice that they have days in their cycle where they're less hungry and their requirements are less and where they're more hungry and their requirements are more. The other thing that I encourage women to do is track your cycle. And that'll help you just see where you are in those phases. If you're a woman that you're not that in tune at the moment, you're not yet in tune enough to go, oh, I'm ovulating or, oh, I'm getting close to my period coming. So if you get an app on your phone and you track your cycle, you can actually see the different points because you enter it in. There's a really good app called Fit R Women that helps women to track their cycle and it gives them a little bit more information around training around their cycle, nutrition around their cycle. It's very basic and not overly well researched but it's a really good starting point if you're a woman that's wanting to kind of start on that tracking your cycle journey oh cool and one other thing about tracking i want to talk about with menstrual strike mm -hmm. is um people weighing themselves and i know that girls can get quite hung up on the day-to-day -day, uh progression rather than the week to week or month to month which yeah. you should be looking towards and I know that your weight can fluctuate. So you didn't talk about how your weight can fluctuate and some tips around that. Absolutely. I love that you guys are talking about this. I think we need so many more men talking about this. So hats off to both of you. This is incredible. Um, women, I find, get so hung up on their weight. Like I have women that weigh themselves every single day or that want to. And it's exactly like you said, that we have this ability to fluctuate so much, you know, fluid retention, water intake, the size of the meals that we have. If we're on our cycle, we can go between, we can go up between one and three kilos in the one day. Mm -hmm. It's such a minimal amount when you talk about a kilo, yet we stress and obsess over it. So mm -hmm. I actually don't have scales in my consult room and we don't have scales in the gym that I work at. 
And the one thing I would say to women is if you can, and if you feel comfortable to throw them out, you don't need them. They're not a good indication of your overall health or even your overall goals. I'm fully okay with women having weight loss and fitness related goals, but there's so many other things we can track and measure. We can track and measure our cycle. As I've said, we can track and measure our water intake. We can track and measure how many different vegetables we're having on our plate in a day. You know, we can, if we want to look at it from a physio- physical perspective, we can look at how our clothes are fitting us, how comfortable we're feeling in our body. There's not really a need to look at it from a one to two kilogram perspective. So I really like to change the conversation with my female clients and go, you know, if that scale is determining how you feel about yourself and that scale is going to change and derail the whole route of your day is it really worth putting yourself in that position and as you said it's such a long-term game you know weighing yourself every single day you're just following basically probably a fluid kind of fluctuation not really a weight gain or a fat gain association there so if you did want to weigh yourself i would space it out a lot more but i just think there's so many other better ways to track and measure yeah and you 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 mentioned before um Lockie just asked that question about how the chocolate example where, you know, Mm. cravings come in because you're you're lacking a certain nutrient in your body. I just wanted to go on and ask, as men, (laughs) we're not quite sure about (laughs) that uh, affect the dietary choices and the stress of of women's bodies. But um, if you could go into which hormones are the ones that commonly impact uh, stress and the dietary requirements of women. Yeah, of course. So I think this is a really interesting question because before I go into that, I just want to say everything in the body affects everything in the body. So it's really important that we don't kind of cut off different body systems and go, okay, if we're feeling stressed, then it's only going to impact our hormones. And okay, if our hormones are out of balance, then that's only going to impact our hormones. So everything's always interacting with everything. If we have a stressful thought or we're going through a period of stress, our gut's going to be affected. Our hormones are going to be affected. Our liver function could be affected and vice versa. So I think a lot of people always give cortisol a really bad rap as far as a stress hormone. Cortisol can you know, impact different things. And as far as like, I see a lot of women carrying a lot more belly fat when they're stuck in that fight or flight continual cortisol space but cortisol is what gets us up in the morning as well so i like flipping things into a positive where in the morning our cortisol levels are at their peak and that helps us get out of bed and function and have enough energy to get up in the morning so cortisol can be a really positive stress hormone too the issue with anything is if it kind of is too much so if cortisol stays at a level where it's being filtered throughout the day in large doses in our body is when we can really feel the negative response and an aspect of that. As far as looking at hormones in the actual hormonal cycle, you've got progesterone, progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone. And when those are in balance and our lifestyle allows for those things to be in balance, we shouldn't be experiencing things like PMS symptoms, moodiness, cramps, headaches. I don't know how much symptoms you want me to go into as far as, you know, clots in your bleed and stuff like that, guys. I don't want to freak you out. But there's a lot of things that can happen when those hormones are out of balance. They work in a cycle with each other and they work together. You know, when testosterone is too high at different points in the cycle where it should be lower, that's when women can experience things like excess facial hair, excess body hair. We can be really, really angry and grumpy and be in our kind of masculine state. So, 
they all need to kind of be where they're supposed to be in harmony for us to not be experiencing those symptoms. Stress is a really big factor that can negatively impact those hormone levels and get them in places where they're not supposed to be. And when they're sitting in, in ranges that they're not supposed to be, then that obviously starts impacting things like ovulation, where then that will then have that knock-on effect to impact things like fertility, but also how we feel. I think not enough women understand that ovulation is very important and a determining factor in how we actually feel. And so is our period. So our period is such a good reflection of the state of our health. And so we always forget that. We just like to focus on, you know, oh, let's get through it. Let's just get through the actual bleed. But there's so much that sort of goes into it. And I think the main takeaway here is that it's all the lifestyle and mindfulness practices that we do and bring in that allow us to have a really beautiful and nourishing and loving hormone experience. So obviously you mentioned stress, but it's also things like getting enough sleep, fueling ourselves adequately, drinking enough water, you know, nourishing our emotional health, resting when we need to, not overtraining, not under consuming calories. So all of these things have an impact on how those three um, hormones interact together during the cycle. I think this is a really good lead on question. I wanted to talk about common deficiencies that you see in women in practice and how to combat them. I love this question because I've gone through it myself. So I'm very happy to go into this one. And I think it's a really important one. So still the most common deficiency for women is iron deficiency. In fact, I think it's way too kind of accepted. As I said in my first question that you guys asked, where women just sort of accept that things are a little bit normal. And so many of my clients are struggling with iron. And my main thing with iron deficiency is that we get told something. So we get told after we have a blood test or at the GP that, okay, iron is quite low. And we just kind of go, okay, I need to supplement. I like to ask the question of why, you know, why is the iron levels low? Why does the body not want to absorb iron? Why does the body not like iron? So I like going into that investigation aspect of the deficiency and peeling it back a little bit and going, what aspect of our diet and lifestyle is blocking the iron absorption? You know, what state of our emotional health is blocking the iron absorption? Why is the body not storing iron? Why is the body not uptaking iron? And that could obviously be from a dietary perspective that we're not eating enough iron in the diet or our periods are super heavy and there's something going on in that hormonal space. But it could also simply be that something that we're eating and the way that we're fueling ourselves is not adequate for our specific system and that that's blocking iron. So things like gluten or grains or any of your inflammatory foods, drinking coffee with meals, tea with meals, there's all these little things that we do that can actually have such an impact on how food is absorbed and how it gets absorbed into our system. So it's really hard in the nutrition space because often people say, you know, is celery a health food? Is oats a health food? Is pasta a health food? And the answer to all of that could be absolutely yes. But for one of my clients, oats could absolutely be a health food. For my next client that walks in, oats could really harm them. So it's really, really hard to definitively say, yes, that's a health food. I always say to my clients, we need to look at whether this food is actually serving you and whether this food is actually adequate for you and your needs and where you're at at the moment. Yeah, and, and that's that's a great lead on again. But for iron deficiencies or for any other deficiencies in the body for women, which which supplements would you recommend? I know that you a lot of nutritionists would typically recommend natural whole foods as a way of 
progressing it progressing it yeah exactly but what supplements if you really had to what supplements would you um recommend that's a good question so i'm probably going to be super generic like you just said and say please start with food you know you can't you really can't beat starting the foundational stuff with food so as a nutritionist, we would always do a dietary recall where we go over what you're eating and have an actual look at what your intake is like. Because a lot of the time, you know, most of my female clients aren't consuming enough protein-rich foods, aren't consuming enough iron-rich foods, but they believe that they are. So the starting point would always be that and addressing the dietary deficiencies or inadequacies. And then the next step would be what supplement is actually going to work for you what specific supplement do you need and for some people that baseline is enough and for some people they require another one i i don't really feel like there's a generic supplement that i could hand on heart say i would give this supplement to every woman i think if i had to pick one i would probably say magnesium is a really really important one for women i think just for menstrual symptoms for cramping for tightness for sleep these are all things that women really experience but I, again, I would probably urge you to sit with a professional and really work out if that is something that you need and whether we could do that through food first before just jumping to supplements. I have to say in the supplement space, I think there's such an issue with people over-prescribing and self-prescribing and they're just missing the mark. You know, they're picking things that aren't correct for their system or that are actually harming their system. And then they're seeing things like, you know, pancreatic inflammation inflammation and kidney inflammation because their poor little body's like I actually have enough of that you know that you're just kind of dabbling in and the other issue that I have is people just going to the supermarket or a chemist and just picking whatever's off the shelf you know there's such a difference between supermarket supplements and practitioner only supplements practitioner only supplements are tested they're in the perfect medicinal amounts and I often play with dosage a little bit with my clients as well I don't just read the the box or the container and go, yep, just take one scoop of that. You know, we really figure out where you're at and what you actually need. And for a lot of people, it's about kind of maybe starting on a half dose or spacing it out or seeing how the body absorbs it. So when we self-prescribe, often people go in really, really hard and they go, oh, I'm supposed to take three tablets a day. I'll just start there. And it can be quite a lot for your system. And then you actually just urinate a lot of it out and your body doesn't adequately and effectively use it. So I think it still is really, really important that if you're having symptoms, you go and see a practitioner, you get adequate testing. I'm a really big advocate for testing. Where do your symptom profiles kind of match up with body system issues? And we go from there, you know, we find out a specific dose for you. We get you a good quality supplement that you can't just buy from the supermarket. And I monitor you or your practitioner monitors you. So if you do have a reaction or you're not feeling that great, we can tweak it. We can add things in. So sorry that I didn't just give you the one pill kind of magic wand answer, but there really is none. And I think if people are going to delve into that magnesium space, I would start with a spray or a topical cream, or even you can do like an Epsom salt bath. That's a really beautiful way for women to kind of take a moment for yourself, absorb some magnesium through the Epsom salts. It's also a gentle way because there's a lot of absorption stuff that goes on too. So you don't just want to be going, oh, that's the wonder thing. I'm going to take that. Everyone's taking that. So yeah, you got to be really careful. The one last thing I'll say about supplements as well is that we often think that because they're natural, that they're okay to just take in excess or take as we like, and they can be just as harmful as pharmaceutical stuff. So yeah. yeah, sorry about my rant, but it's very true. <laughs> I want, honestly, yeah. yeah. And I, I really resonate with that um, Epsom salt bath. Mm. I, 
whenever I would play a match or, or I'm, I'm sure if even if Lockie would play a game of rugby or whatever, as soon as you dip yourself in that bath and you get out, you feel like a fish. Your body feels loose. Oh, it's amazing. It, it actually, and it actually leads on to better stuff like better sleep, and then better rest, and then stuff like that. I feel like it, it has an ongoing effect. And I think a lot of women, you know, that because someone sent me an article yesterday, one of my clients, and said it, the title was, you know, magnesium, the wonder supplement. Every woman needs magnesium. She goes, should I be on this? We just had a consult and you didn't mention this. And I was like, oh my God, you know, and it is fantastic for every woman. But as we've just touched on, the body is so different. You know, I have clients that I put on low dose magnesium that go, I've got diarrhea and I feel really sick. And, you know, magnesium is a smooth muscle relaxant. Your bowel is, is a big area and organ of smooth muscles. So you've got to sort of be careful when you're just dabbling. It's it's probably safer if you're doing it yourself, like you guys said, do an Epsom salt bath or do something that you also get that nurturing or nourishing side from it too and you're not doing anything dangerous. <laughs> and one other thing I want to talk about with supplements, I work at Mr. Vitamins and a common uh, inquiry that we get is about fish oils. What are you, what's your thoughts on fish oils? Yeah. Uh, just fish oils in general for women. I think omega-3s and essential fats for women is really, really important. So our periods and our period health really depends on the amount of fats that are in our diet. So that's a beautiful question. And I think a lot of women, again, would really benefit from fish oil. But the issue that I have with a lot of fish oil supplements is they're not as pure and as beautiful as your practitioner only one. So you would probably see even from working at Mr. Vitamins that there's such a scale and a range in yeah. quality. Um, so same kind of rule applies is please don't buy your fish oils from the supermarket. Even going to a Mr. Vitamins like where you work, where you can give that information to the client, they can actually ask questions about the product is a lot better than someone just going into, you know, a supermarket. So if you can't afford a consultation and maybe going somewhere like that is a really, really great option. But again, for someone like me that's had issues with their liver, fish oil makes me want to throw up. I actually have a gag response to taking fish oil. So I get a lot of my fats through dietary sources because for me, it's a lot gentler on my gut. A lot of women experience this from taking fish oil, you know, nausea or reflux. So again, it's that really individualized approach. Let's see what else is going on in the body. But you've nailed it for hormone health. Fats is kind of everything. So yeah, I would again say sit down with a professional, find out if you are eating adequate fats. If not, we can look at a supplement. Awesome. Yeah. And, and just, you mentioned before earlier, way earlier on in the podcast about cravings and foods that people that, that mm -hmm. specifically uh, crave during certain periods of time, uh, specifically being during their period and pregnancy. So would you agree with, women just eating whatever they crave whatever they crave at that moment even if it means eating less than nutritious food <laughs> great question i think my um pregnant friends and my clients that have been pregnant are probably going to laugh at this one because a lot of them go into pregnancy thinking i'm going to eat so well i'm going to nourish my baby and then you know nausea hits and all they can eat is dry crackers and you know vegemite toast <laughs> so yeah obviously we all go into things like that thinking I'm going to nurture my body and eat all of the vegetables, but vegetables and soggy kind of foods are often the things that in pregnancy women just cannot tolerate. Same goes for meat. That's another one that a lot of women are just like, I can't. There are periods in pregnancy where the, even the smell of it, they just want to throw up. So I think it's really, really important in that space that women just eat what they can. So I really like to just remove a lot of the guilt around that and just say, look, 
you've got to get through this period. You just need to eat whatever you can, whatever's sitting right in your body and choose the most nutritious thing that you can in that space. As far as cravings, like I touched on before, I think they can tell us a lot about mineral and nutrient deficiency. So that can be quite interesting. But, you know, things like crunchy food and salty food, that really gives us that kind of up and that mood elevation um, reaction to eating those foods. So I know a lot of women, when they're feeling quite down or they're not really feeling very good or their energy is quite low, they might crave things like salty or crunchy chips. And I think there's always a reason for that. So you can always peel back a few steps. Okay, what was my sleep like last night? Am I really, really tired today? Because that can make us crave a ton more sugar and carbohydrates than we would if we'd had adequate sleep. So that's me today. Like the, the second I woke up this morning, it was like, give me whatever sweet things you can, you know? So if we're feeling tired, that might be a reason why we're craving sweet things. If we're craving crunchy things, maybe our mood's a little bit low. Um, I see a lot of menopausal women that crave salty things. So that's a whole other area in itself that's really, really fascinating where they've got a lot of minerals that have kind of left their body. It sounds really quite sad, but in that space, they crave a lot of salty foods because there's a lot of minerals within the salt that they're actually lacking. So I think that cravings can tell you a lot about what your body kind of needs and you can, you know, sit down with a nutritionist and figure out, okay, why am I having all these cravings? Because that could be an interesting area and space to delve into. But I'm also so big about joy in food and eating. And I think we don't just eat for fuel. And when we talk about cravings and enjoyment and what foods women actually like, you know, some women say to me, God, you know, my coffee tastes like the best thing I've ever had in, in my world, you know, or chocolate to me is just like this orgasmic experience. And I just think that's such a big part of why we eat as well. Food oh. is not just simply fuel. And I'm such an advocate of joy foods and including at least one food in your day every day that you just love, that you just salivate over. That is purely for joy. It has nothing to do with nutrition profile or how you're going to benefit from it or whether it's going to help you lose weight is just simply because you love it. Like for me, I have a chai, a sticky chai tea every single day with lots of honey. And every time I have it, it is like the best thing I've ever tasted. And so I don't think about the minimal amounts of caffeine in that. I don't, I just go, I love that. That's my part of joy. That's my little part of the day. That's just for me. So I think when women are on their period, like you asked before, I think if, if you if you want some chocolate or you want a little bit of ice cream or you want to have something that makes you feel good and that brings you joy, absolutely go for it. The other area of that that I would say is just like, you know, it's within reason, isn't it? Because if you said to yourself, oh, I can just eat ice cream all day or I can just have fast food all day, like the end result of that is we're not going to feel very good physically. We're going to feel quite sick. We're probably going to have low energy. We're not going to really benefit from that. So the other side of that is like, yes, eat for joy, but it's always that the end goal should always be to feel really, really good. So I think if a little bit of chocolate makes you feel good, go for it. But the whole block every single day, probably not. So my answer would be within reason. <laughs> and I love how you said that you should have one food every day that you really enjoy because uh, I know in the past, I've seen a lot of people that are like, I want to lose weight. I'm just going to eat a completely healthy diet. I'm not going to eat anything. And then they get a week or two in and they're already sick of it. And even though yes. that, that less nutritious food might make their weight loss go a bit longer, it will actually ensure it's sustainable rather than just going for two weeks, then crashing, going back to their old diet, which is full of less nutritious foods. So I think that's a really good point. 
but I just wanted to go on to the next thing, which you actually reminded me of when you talked about menopause. And I want to ask mm -hmm. supplements for ladies during menopause, <laughs> anything they should supplement. Yeah, great question. You're probably going to get a really similar answer as before. Um, I think it's really important. A lot of menopausal women come to me with a lot of symptoms. So a lot of night sweats, hot flushes, low energy, dry skin, really low mood. It, it really should be. A lot of menopausal women also say to me that they feel like in that space of their life, they're very forgotten. So they say there's a lot of airplay about period health and pregnancy and they feel like menopause doesn't get as much airplay and they're probably my clients that struggle the most with symptoms and that's really really heartbreaking the one thing i do with most of my menopausal clients is actually look at their supporting their liver and getting their liver working optimally to help them in that new phase so that your liver also deals with a lot of excess hormone and filtering that your liver deals with a lot of the environmental toxins that we get subjected to. So I also talk to women a lot about what they actually put on their body as far as beauty, beauty products and what they're absorbing through that aspect of their life as well. You know, candles that are synthetic, lots of perfumes that are synthetic, lots of makeup and hair products that are quite synthetic. So that's going to be taxing on the liver too. And then obviously looking at, alcohol intake as well. So I start with food in doing that with women in menopausal stages. So I don't just jump straight to supplements. So I look at giving them lots of greens, lots of broccoli to support liver health. I get them to include turmeric in their cooking. That's really potent anti-inflammatory stuff. Um, lots of water and then just try and address their sleep. So if I was going to give them anything, I would probably try with food grade stuff. So maybe like a really beautiful greens powder, they could mix in water in a day or a turmeric supplement if they're not willing to put it in cooking. But I would really start there quite basic. And then obviously it's more individualized. We could go into magnesium if sleep is really, really affected or they're dealing with lots of muscle aches. But I have a lot of menopausal women that are also experiencing, you know, nighttime anxiety and night sweats and a lot of waking up feeling like, <gasps> like their heart is racing. And, and that can be for a lot of different reasons, but it's probably a lot of mineral deficiencies. So my other thing would be make sure you go and get a blood test if those things are occurring. So I say to my female clients, I would love them to get their bloods done every one to two years even if they're not experiencing anything major, if major stuff is going on, it's a lot more frequent. And then that allows your practitioner and yourself to be able to just go, you know, am I experiencing any deficiencies? Is anything outside of the ranges? And we'll start there and then we can work on the other stuff. But often if you address those things, the symptoms and other things tend to fall away. So yeah, sorry, not an easy answer once again. <laughs> Oh, that's really interesting also to hear the same way we were talking about magnesium intake through the body uh, with mm. salts, the same way you would want to think about the makeup uh, products and uh, perfumes yeah. and stuff like that. But, you know, it's just the same way. It's going through your pores, it's going through your body. So it's going to have an effect either way. That's actually very interesting. I never thought of it that way. Honestly, never even thought of that. That's actually a huge... That that's a huge one. You know, women intake like hundreds of chemicals every single day by what we put on our skin, what we absorb. And the perfume one is really, really interesting. I have a friend that um, is a nurse and she works more in maternity and with women and babies. And she was saying, you know, with perfume, women, they tend to spray it right here where your thyroid is and right near your breasts. And these are two things that in female health are so important that they're functioning optimally. And we coat ourselves in things like that every day and we don't even think about it. So that's a massive one for hormone health, pregnancy, liver function, all of that.
Yeah, that's that's, that's a really interesting go. different different way we could talk about that. It's really um, really mm. interesting. Now to move on to uh, fertility. Um, you mentioned people were pregnant. They're they're wanting to uh, eat nutritious foods, and their goal is to eat nutritious foods. But um, more importantly, beforehand and and during pregnancy, um, what impact do you think nutrition can have a uh, uh, impact on fertility as a whole? Yeah, great. Nutrition can have a huge impact. So I always say it's like the foundation. If you look at like nutrition being the soil or the fertilizer or the grass, God, we always use gardens as an example, don't we? But the soil, the fertilizer or the grass and it's really, really important. If we even look at just specific deficiencies like iron deficiency, B12, vitamin D deficiency, folate deficiency in women, you know, these things have huge implications for fetal development, for how the fetus develops, and also just for our ability to maintain the pregnancy to full term. So another thing is probably getting back to that adequate testing and that preconception part where women, you know, if, if it's planned, obviously I know there's a lot of times where you don't have that preconception period because it's a surprise, but if you have that period of time, I would really recommend that. And guys, this is interesting for you guys too, but that men and women go and get things tested, get bloods done, get actual testing, you know, reproductive testing, sperm quality testing, if that's something in your family or something of concern and get all of that out of the way so that women can on that baseline level address the deficiencies so that that doesn't interrupt or cause, you know, miscarriages. Um, and then work with a professional on whether you need a prenatal vitamin or whether you need some dietary changes in that space to make sure you're getting enough folate. That's found in things like, you know, eggs, your leafy greens, your beans, your legumes, the foods. But it's really, really easy to have like inadequate levels of that within the diet. Um, the other thing would be, I'm really, really big on men being involved in the preconception period too. I think there's a lot of focus on women to just change their diet, remove alcohol, remove coffee, and the men kind of get forgotten. But sperm health is so massive as well as far as fetal health. So I think you guys should be absolutely on board. I mean, I always say to my like couple clients, like you were there when the baby was created. So I think you should be there prior to that and also during and support your partner in that as well. So men should probably be considering, you know, minimizing alcohol and minimizing coffee and really looking at their fruit and vegetable intake, their protein intake and all that type of stuff leading up to conception, just like women should. If you've got that adequate period and you know that pregnancy is something that you're planning, I would try and start that, you know, at least six months before you're thinking of having a bub, longer if possible. Um, they say that three months definitely, but you can start thinking about it a longer time before that. Um, and then, yeah, when pregnant, just... I would definitely go and see somebody and really get you on quite a good plan to have you feeling as well as you could. But I guess also support you if you're not, because there's so many women that during pregnancy, they have this great nutrition approach that they're going to take and they throw that out the window. So they might need some support in feeling like it's okay that they are just eating dry toast. <laughs> there's so many easy tips for people to include there. So that's awesome. And one big question I just wanted to ask, and this is not only towards females, but towards everyone, what is one thing about female health that you think everyone should be more aware of and more educated on? Oh, just one. I know this was a hard one for me to answer because there's so many. I think really for females, a lot of my clients don't really understand what to look for in a healthy period. So a lot of my clients, as far as period health, they think that their symptoms are really, really normal. So they think that, you know, every month it's totally normal to feel awful and have really low energy and terrible cramps where they're not able to go to work or do anything. So probably just educating 
women a little bit more around, you know, how you can improve the health of your periods. And that's looking at all aspects of your life. That's looking at minimizing your stress levels, putting in some stuff to support you emotionally, taking adequate rest, eating enough healthy fats like your avocados and your oily fish and your nuts and seeds, your olive oils, all the things like that. It's getting sunlight on your skin, being in nature, you know, addressing your sleep. So it's really that whole holistic approach. But I find a lot of my clients go, how does that like, like impact my periods in a positive way? They don't even think about it. And a lot of them aren't in touch with, you know, when they're ovulating or when their bleed is coming. So I think just a little bit more focus on that would really, really change females um, lives really, because we experience this every month and all the time. So it's a really, really important one. The other one is I've gotten really fascinated and into emotions and the emotional body and how emotions can impact our physical body and our physical symptoms. And it's an area that I've started delving into with my clients a lot more because I think, you know, we can eat all the greens, we can eat all of our veggies, but if we're not expressing ourselves in the way that we want to, if we're not putting adequate boundaries in, in our lives with people, if we're not respecting ourselves, if we're not feeling our feelings, a lot of that can present in a physical way and really intercept and, and um, negatively impact our hormones and our body systems and just our body symptoms. So emotions, feel your feelings and yeah, get in touch with your period and your symptoms and really learn a little bit more about that. They would be my top two. Yeah. And just to put a little bit of pressure on you, uh, we like to ask every nutritionist or anyone in the health field, uh, what is a general plate, uh, day on a plate for yourself? So now you're under the pump. Oh God. I, you know what? A really um, well-balanced nutritionist would say that every day is different. Do you get that a lot? Because, you know, we have learned as nutritionists that the most important thing for gut health is variety and diversity. So I'm sure we try and do that. that every day for me, there is definitely a chai. Like I've mentioned to you guys before, that is my daily joy food. So every single day at one point, I will have a sticky chai with lots of honey and no, I don't feel guilty about it. Um, I tend to start the day with eggs most mornings. They sit really, really well in my body and make me feel energized. There's always vegetables within the eggs, really whatever's in my fridge. If you haven't tried broccoli in your eggs, um, I really, really encourage you to. They're really good for hormone health for females and it's actually delicious. So I'll probably have two eggs with sourdough toast and some veggies on there. Lunch is always generally leftovers. So when I'm prepping dinner, I always also prep my lunch. So that's usually some kind of source of protein, whether it be red meat or chicken or fish or some beans or tofu or something like that. Um, and then, yeah, probably I'm really, really into those pulse pastas. I don't know if you guys have tried those, but they're the legume based pastas that are in supermarkets. Yeah. Really high in fiber, really high in protein. So I tend to eat those a lot and I have a little veggie trick with my clients that I definitely implement for myself where I say, try and have three different colors with each meal with your vegetables. So that's why I put the veggies in my eggs and then my dinner and lunch also has the three different colors. And I'm an afternoon snack girl. So I'll probably have some fruit or some nuts or some dark chocolate or which is really good for females and hormones, by the way. Yeah, I think that's it. Awesome. And I love the diversity. Aki. It sounds amazing. But I know that you pride yourself on trying to achieve wellness in women. So I wanted to ask you, what does complete wellness entail for a woman? 
Oh, that's a beautiful question. I think complete wellness is looking at all areas of your life, isn't it? And looking at what areas kind of need a bit more love and attention. Um, complete wellness for a woman step for a woman step one is probably just realizing that you're worthy to actually address those areas and look at those areas and just know that, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. So you can't be a good mama, a good sister, a good girlfriend, a good, you know, practitioner, if you don't first take some time to nourish and nurture yourself. So I say to women, if you can find a little bit of space in every single day, that's just for you, whether that's a warm cup of tea or a little bit of a walk outside or your favorite TV show on Netflix or you know, some women say a scroll of Instagram is all they get in between the kids' sleeps, but that's really important to give yourself that one little moment and then try and look at all those areas that lead to you feeling really, really good. So looking at your sleep quality and the foods that you're putting in your body and your water intake and your connections with other people and your emotional state and all of those things. So it's not just about looking only at the food. There's so many other aspects of health that really impact well-being so i think that's probably why i call myself a wellness nutritionist because i'm so passionate about looking at all of those areas not just the one yeah yeah and now just to move on to both uh both sexes what's one tip you would recommend to improve uh all people's health in any way all people's health in any way does it have to be food related <laughs> anything, anything anything in any aspect I think it sounds really, really simple, but it's often the one that's most forgotten is drink enough water. I know that sounds like the most simple thing in the world, but we forget it. About, you know, 90 something percent of my clients don't drink enough water and then they wonder why I bang on about it so much. But water is so important for every kind of biological and physiological process in your body. And when you're dehydrated, you feel really poorly, you know. So I think that would be my number one thing is try and aim for at least two liters a day, get yourself a drink bottle, start early on in the day so that you start ahead. And yeah, you'll really notice the difference in energy, in the way you look, in the way that you feel. So yeah, it's very important. Amazing. I actually really like the answer. And lastly, yeah. I want to say, uh, where can the listeners find you? Where can they find me? So I'm L Brown Nutritionist on Instagram and Facebook. So you'll find me there. I'm quite active. So you'll soon see that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And we'll leave that in the description. So if anyone wants to find you, they can find you there. Awesome. Thanks so awesome. much for coming on today, L. Uh, it's been a Thank pleasure. And a great topic to get into. And we've always wanted to get into it. So it's great to finally do it and um, address the female listeners out there. Thanks for having me. No worries. There's, there's so much to learn and I can't wait for the listeners to hear it. So it should be great. Oh, me too. Thank you. Thanks for being two men that are discussing it. I love it. <laughs> no yeah, problem. it was really interesting. So thanks again. All good. Thanks so much. Thanks, right. guys. We'll see you guys later.